Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Robin Marcus, who is an Alexander Technique teacher who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. <clears throat> she is also a music education consultant, has a, um, quite an extensive background in, in the field of music education. She uh, teaches Kodai certification uh, at, and we're going to ask Robin to explain what that is in a second, at Webster University in St. Louis, at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. And uh, she is the Potomac Arts Academy Summer Kodai Program Director. And we're going to talk today about the general field of the Alexander Technique and its role in music education. Robin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. It's nice to be here. It's good to have you on the on the show today. Uh, Robin, could you begin by giving our listeners who may not be familiar with it a short description or definition, if you like, of the Alexander Technique? Well, you know, Robert, this is something that all... Alexander teachers struggle with because the definition evolves kind of on a daily basis. But if I were with you at a dinner party and someone said, what is the Alexander Technique? My one sentence answer would be, the Alexander Technique is a way of unlearning habits that cause us discomfort in our daily activities. And sort of from there, people either ask further questions or they say, oh, that's very nice and the subject changes. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've certainly had that experience. And, and I think the key word there might be unlearning. That is, the, the Alexander Technique is really about um, letting go of patterns that are in the way and um, not, not so much learning new things as letting go of old things and letting, letting better patterns emerge from that. I mean, it's not totally that, but that's certainly the the emphasis, I think. I would agree with you, and I think the emphasis has to come on awareness in order for people to understand what those patterns are that they've acquired in the first place. So, Absolutely. Awareness is central. A learning to be aware of what you're doing, and a lot of people, as I'm sure you know, and uh, pretty much any Alexander Technique teacher would say, uh, are not particularly aware or they may have false ideas about what they're doing. Um, also, um, just I think for our audience, uh, maybe a very short description of what, what the Kodai, is it a method, Kodai method is? Yes, it is. It's a, it's a Hungarian system of music education that came to this country in the 70s, which teaches children to learn music literacy through folk music of their native country. Mm-hmm. So what I do in the summers is train music educators to learn to teach this method back in their classrooms to their children. Okay. Now, we've covered those basics, and um, I, think, I think a lot of musicians... Um, are, have at least heard of the Alexander Technique. I, it has a pretty good reputation for uh, being helpful for musicians who are having performance issues or pain issues, repetitive strain injury issues, that sort of thing. Um, but we're going to emphasize today music education. And maybe you could begin by saying just what what the role, what you think the role of the Alexander Technique could be in that particular field? 
Well, I think music educators have all of the issues that performers have. Certainly, we have both singing and speaking issues. So we have the issues that actors have as well as the issues that singers have. Music educators are often singing rigorously all day long from 8 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Many times they're at a piano or at another performance instrument as well. and we have sort of all of those issues that arise with vocal tension, um, overuse of the voice, um, having to raise the voice to speak over children sometimes. Um, many times music educators are on their feet all day, so they have sore feet and plantar fasciitis and varicose veins and all of those issues that come along down there. Um, and I think the main complaint of music educators, at least all the ones that I know, is their shoulders. They have tremendous tension that they carry around in the trapezius area mm-hmm. and and we had talked very briefly before starting uh you you wanted to mention a specific example of some recent teaching you've done i believe with conductors yes maybe you could elaborate on that a little bit absolutely um in the summer course that i teach we we just finished a course on music edu- on a rather conducting and alexander technique and so i was able to work with quite a number of conductors um who ranged from both elementary school all the way to high school um and look at their conducting technique from an alexander point of view most of them were fine conductors but they were using their arms in a way where their their shoulders were very much forward out of the arm socket. They were not grounded. They were leaning forward on their toes very often into the children. And the change in the sound that is possible when a person becomes grounded and when a person uh, puts they gets into their back is an absolutely amazing thing that can happen to the sound of the choir and to the actual support network that goes back and forth between the conductor and the choir. Yeah, and I, I, I've, I've worked a bit with conductors over the years, and I've noticed the same thing, that uh, basically um, all eyes are on the conductor, and the, the, the orchestra or the choir mm-hmm. or whatever are, are getting a lot of uh, visual cues from, from how the conductor is using his or her physical mechanism, his or her body, as they conduct. And if there's if a conductor is adding some tension, and of course you mentioned specifically around the shoulders and arms, uh, that tension, um, whether they like it or not, is very likely to be picked up on and unconsciously imitated by the people they're conducting. Absolutely. So it's a it's a huge responsibility, um, and it's it's part of um, I would say a general issue with performers, singers, uh, musicians, particularly singers. A singer gets up in front of an an audience and if the singer is creating a little extra tension in order to sing, um, at some level their their audience senses and a little bit absorbs that tension and it gets in the way of of their enjoyment of the performance. It certainly gets in the way of the creation of the performance Um, and which if we move into the, if we shift over to the field of music education, uh, a music education teacher of any kind, whether it's from grade school or through university level or whatever, as you mentioned, they're often on their feet long, long hours. They're dealing with 
classroom issues. It's, it's, it's a tough job. And it's not that hard to slip into some habits of tension without realizing it that, um, that get in the way, in the ways that, that we just talked about. Absolutely. And the other thing that music educators have to be constantly aware of is that you are always providing the model for your students to imitate. So whether that's modeling breath um, mm-hmm. and phrasing, whether that's modeling vocal support and a, and a round tone, all of those things that happen, uh, even in an in a, uh, instrumentalist, it's still modeling the type of uh, technique you would like those students to imitate. So if you then layer your own layers of tension on top of that, sometimes the model that you may think you're presenting is not really what you're communicating. Yes, and I think it's interesting that the um, developer of the Alexander Technique, F. Matthias Alexander, uh, he was talking about children, childhood education at one point in one of his books, Mm -hmm. and he makes the point that children are incredible imitators of people around them and not and there's like another layer of uh, another problem layer here is that they are particularly good at imitating um, um, extremely harmful patterns or odd patterns of movement absolutely if I could if I could tell a little story about that Um, I once observed a choir uh, we were my, my choir was singing in a choral festival. It was an elementary school age choir, and it had two directors. And one of the directors got up, and when she conducted, the children were grounded, and their sound was round, and their mouth shape was round, and the sound was absolutely gorgeous. When the other director got up, something shifted in the children's posture their heads came forward their feet came off the ground and they looked like a bunch of little floating heads hanging out of windows i mean that's the only way i can describe it Mm -hmm. and the entire sound of the group changed completely Mm -hmm. but those children the very same children were able to go back and forth between these two conductors because they switched frequently during their program Mm -hmm. it was quite amazing to see yeah and and children especially young children are I mean, uh, uh, are incredibly quick to pick up on the patterns of adults around them and adults who are th- who are teaching them or conducting them. Yes, indeed. Perhaps even more dramatically than than adults would be. Um, now, another another area that I would like to touch on, and this this comes out of my own uh, experience. Um, uh, in going to uh, grade school, junior high school, and high school concerts uh, as as uh, our kids grew up, is uh, sometimes you would see, um, like with a high school band or junior high band, whatever, you would see some students who were so obviously harmfully using themselves and playing. I can, I can remember a high school concert I went to with, with my wife um, many years ago where um, the lead uh, pianist, uh, not pianist, the lead uh, violinist who was sitting in the front would look sort of normal when she wasn't playing, but the moment she picked up her violin would just go through astonishing contortions in the body. <laughs> I mean, yeah. and 
hard for me uh, to imagine that everyone wouldn't see that, but maybe not. Maybe th that uh, I I'd have thought that the conductor would would uh, would take her aside and say, you know, you really, if you have any interest in doing this for any length of time and you don't want to injure yourself, you might want to seek out some method of, of letting go of that. You would think. Uh, sometimes, though, those students are studying privately with mm -hmm. another, another teacher. And uh, I, I know from my own experience, they will come in and you will say something about their technique and they will say, oh, but my private teacher wants me to do this, whether that's true or not. Mm -hmm. So sometimes a call to the private teachers in order just to discuss this child. <laughs> well, you know, among the many challenges in, in the field. Although in this case, I have to say, I can't imagine any teacher suggesting that she she do what she, what she was, in fact, doing. It was just no. outrageously distorting of her whole body. Now, she was oh. a good violinist. That's the thing. She had talent. Right. And uh, it just... Uh, I, I remember sitting there hoping and praying that she wasn't planning on making a career of it, or at least not without addressing uh, that issue. I can imagine. Well, I think, again, Robert, it comes back to awareness. And if the, if the teacher, the conductor, her, her music teacher, was not aware of what was going on or doesn't, didn't pay attention to her physical habits, then that could go by. Yeah, yeah. And that's why awareness is so important. And maybe we should uh, talk for a second about parents of children who are studying music. Great idea. Um, what, what kind of advice would you give them in terms of um, looking out for their kids, let's say, physical health? Uh, well, I would say go to your student's lesson with them and listen carefully to what the teacher suggests in terms of technique and how they hold their body. And if they don't look comfortable, speak up or find another teacher. And maybe in choosing a teacher, look for a teacher who does seem to be comfortable from what you can see. Absolutely. Or a teacher to... who has some experience with Alexander technique. Well, that would be, that would be good. <laughs> Although, yes. honest, in, in all honesty, you're not going to find that a lot. You may find it's in some areas of the country. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and I think also um, I think maybe a parent needs to uh, observe their their child playing from time to time, simply from the point of view of what are they doing with their we could call it posture. It's a mm -hmm. tricky word in the Alexander. Yes, technique, it is. But but what are they doing to themselves in order to play? And exactly. for example, if you have a, a a son or a daughter who's playing violin. And every time they put the violin up on their shoulder, they scrunch their shoulder up towards their head and they scrunch their head down and they distort their, themselves more, more than would seem like necessary, more than would seem. Obviously, you have to do something different to your, with yourself to play an instrument, but if you see sort of extra, a large amount of tension coming in, that would be kind of a danger sign. Or, yes. of course, uh, as happens sometimes, if your child suddenly develops uh, severe pain or yes. whatever, that that should be a really serious warning sign because yes. a, a kid of a high school kid should not be 
experiencing RSI or tendinitis or whatever. I mean, right. If I can give you a specific example sure. of that, I had a young lady come to me several years ago. She was uh, getting ready to do all of her college auditions. She was a very serious flute player. And she was terrified because she thought she was developing carpal tunnel. She had tremendous pain in her wrist, and um, her fingers were going numb every time she played her flute. And the fingers going numb was sort of the key to me to take a look at what was going on in her neck. Um, because what she was actually doing was putting so much tension in her neck in a very subtle way that she was pinching the nerve that goes down to the, into the little finger. And that's what she did not have carpal tunnel syndrome. She was very relieved to discover that really all of her issues were around tension in her neck while she was playing her flute. But I had the privilege of working with her to get her ready for her college auditions, and it was great fun and um, really helped her a lot to free her up. But it, that was a case of something where, yes, she was in severe pain, but what she was actually doing was subtle enough that her teacher would not probably not have picked up on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes those tension patterns, uh, particularly head-neck ones, can be can be fairly subtle, but can have huge exactly. effects. And that, yes, indeed. Your, the example you just gave is a, is a good example of that. Um, is uh, Robin? Is there anything we haven't covered that you 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 want to mention before we bring this conversation to a close? Only that in being a music teacher really our our primary job is communicating the joy of what we do to our students and that it's so important to be present in that moment and be with our students while we're doing it um, and that is really I think another area where the Alexander technique can be hugely useful because if we are able to be more aware and more present in the moment we do a much better job of communicating that to our students absolutely I mean it, if nothing else, the, uh, having lessons in the Alexander Technique will will nudge you in the direction of being present in the moment because you're being asked to observe yourself in the moment in ways that perhaps you're not you're not used to. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, I think this might be a good point to to close the conversation. Uh, my guest today has been Robin Marcus, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and a music educator who lives in Atlanta, Georgia. If anything we've been talking about intrigues you, if you're a parent or a teacher or indeed a, a student, a uh, music student, uh, and you live in the Atlanta area, contact Robin. We'll put a link to her site by the interview. And if you live anywhere else in the world, uh, we'll put a link to a site where you can find a, a teacher in your area. Robin, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much, Robert, for having me. It's been a pleasure.